Hey, what's up, GF? This is Pastor Rod. Welcome to our uh, time in the Word today. So thankful for that worship um, led by our team. And I just want to encourage you to jump in to God's Word with me. Get a copy of God's Word, whether it's written or digital. Uh, get that in your hand. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Um, we are actually going back to a series that we paused a couple months ago, uh, just because of wanting to address some stuff with COVID and then wanting to address some stuff about justice with everything that was going on in our world. I also feel though, going back into this text is fitting as we finish out everyday joy. So you can find me again in Philippians four, verses one through nine. What time is it? Time. Let's get it, let's get it. Here's what it says in Philippians four, Verse one through nine. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for my joy in my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help those women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written, <clears throat> whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, that there's any excellence, that there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you've learned and received and heard and seen in, my, in, in me, practice these things in the God of peace, will be with you. I want to talk from the subject, peace that stills, peace that stills. Three points. Number one, a disciple maker's heart. Number two, rejoice on repeat. And number three, the peace of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in the midst of mayhem, you're present. For in some regards, it's harder to sense you in the midst of craziness. But in another sense, as we lean into your word and lean into you in prayer, we sense how big you are, how powerful you are, how immovable you are. God, I pray for those that are anxious this morning. I pray for those that could be feeling as if you have vacated the throne wondering where is God in the middle of my life? Lord, I pray that you would throw your weight around in here this morning, that you would do what only God can do. Would you be present in a real way, we pray? Would your word accomplish what you have sent it forth to do? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start with the disciple maker's heart. And a couple of reasons I want to start with that is because I think the Apostle Paul here is really communicating some things that I'm feeling. Also, by way of encouragement, want to encourage those disciple makers that are listening 
to me this morning and also give a some insight into those that are being discipled. Here we see the Apostle Paul starting verse one. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I love how he starts that. He says, therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the passage, you have to ask this question. What is it there for? And so what you do is you read the preceding verses. And in Philippians 3, verse 20 through 21, he says this. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What Paul does in this first verse of this book that we have been studying is he anchors everything he's going to say in the eternal perspective believers should have. That this world is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through that we are making and building tents and not permanent residence. It's important for us to understand this, particularly when we are going through challenge and circumstances and conflict. We need to remember that we serve an eternal God who will call us to our eternal home. He wants to settle their hopes and affections, not in the present day, not in current events, but he wants to settle their hope and affections in eternity. So he reminds us of our eternal perspective. Two things Paul is encouraging also in verse one is he's demonstrating, listen clearly disciple makers, he's demonstrating how he longs for them. And then two, how he wants them to long for Jesus. Paul longs for them. This is, this is weird. This is this, this, this kind of affection, this, this, this kind of dominance of thoughts and prayers of the disciple maker's heart. When you enter into a relationship with someone you're discipling, my prayer is that you are longing for them like Paul is longing for the church of Philippi. He's longing for them because he loves them. And love is demonstrated in sacrifice. And here Paul is sitting in a cold, damp prison cell, longing to encourage people that are outside, people that are free, people that he loves, people that he's been discipling. He misses them. GF, I want to say it again. I know I say it over and over again, but I miss you and long for you. I long to see you. Because here's what he says. He says, for you are my joy and crown. This is big. In, in, in Paul's life, he's already predetermined that he's going to live his life poured out for the gospel, poured out so that people can be built up. He's going to live his life this way. And so his joy and his crown is not how much money he can gather. It's not how much property he can own. He, it's not his educational pedigree. As, as we remember, he's already counted those things as dung for the, for the excellencies of Christ. So what is Paul's joy in Paul's crown? It's the church of Philippi. It's the church at Rome. It's the church at Thessalonica. It's, it's the people that Paul has been pouring his life into. 
What you need to understand, disciples maker, disciple makers, is when you decide to pour your life into people, you'll carry a burden to see them grow in their faith. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I, I feel this way that, that the lasting joy that I experience is seeing you grow in your faith. I love seeing people move from spiritual death to spiritual life. I, I, I love people growing and maturing in their confidence in the Lord. I love I love to see people move from fear to faith and to move from being addicted to sin to overcoming sinful habits. You see, my sacrifice as a disciple maker, it's going to cost me for sure, but it's also my joy and my crown. So none of this is perfect. None of this is linear. It's messy, isn't it? It's a process filled with wins and losses, ups and downs, hills and valleys. Yet what we see is God graciously walking with someone and bringing them into a more mature place in Christ. And I'll just say this to everyone listening, that should be our goal and our aim. That we are, we are fixated on making disciples. And that's what Paul's admonition is here. But I love not just how he longs for the people, but what he wants the people to long for. Here, notice this. He doesn't launch the apostles' international ministry to the nations. He does not say, so into my ministry. He doesn't say any of that. He says, I long for you, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to long for Jesus. Healthy discipleship causes people to long for Jesus. This is what he means when he says, stand firm in the Lord. There's good news there. This is encouragement that we should be admonishing people to get their confidence in the Lord. Listen, preach, teach, counsel, mentor, discipleship, serve, do justice, give sacrificially, all of that. Yes and amen. But what you want and what you need to remember is that at the end of the day, the person that brings about the real transformation is not you. The person that brings about the transformation is Jesus. So we are pointers, disciple makers, not life changers. Stand firm in the Lord. Paul continues, he's going to begin to confront some conflict that's happening in the church between these two faithful women. I remember being a young kid playing basketball outside and we would play at different courts at different times. And in and, and this particular time we're playing and it's a bunch of us out there and we're all really good friends and we're playing basketball. And one guy gets fouled too hard, gets slapped too hard or whatever. And he has this adverse reaction where he wants to fight. Well, normally... You talk smack, you sell out, you don't you really fight on the court. This time was a little bit different. My friend was arguing with my other friend and he just snapped and punched my other friend in the nose. So much so that his nose like immediately begins swelling up and now he's going back after this guy to fight him. Well, ma'am, one of the things I do is say, man, listen, this is my friend and this is my friend. And because they're both my friends, I don't I don't want them fighting. Also, it's a really good basketball game that's going on and I want to finish it. So I'm, I'm saying, hey, man, y'all, come on, settle down, get it. I'm, I'm, I'm intervening because these two should be friends. 
In the same way, this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. There's these two prominent, gospel-driven, gospel-centered women in this church, but some conflict has emerged. And Paul says, I love this with great simplicity, he jumps right into the conflict. Not in person, not using his physical strength, but armed with a pen, a pad, and the Holy Spirit. He calls these two women out so that they can be, as Paul says, of the same mind. One of the things the church is called to do is to help put out dissension in the church. Maybe if it was today, maybe one of the women would be a Republican and another one would be a Democrat. Maybe in our church today, maybe one is Haitian and one is Dominican or, or, or one is lower middle class, the other is upper middle class. I, I don't know what the conflict can be, but don't we live in a time full of conflict? We can have different opinions on different things. These are not gospel issues. They're not arguing over the deity of Christ. These are, these are secondary issues. These are open-handed issues that they're arguing about. And we know this because if it was a... a, a a, a, a close-handed issue, the Apostle Paul will call them out, but he doesn't. He just says, there's conflict here, y'all figure it out. As a matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, they would read this letter in church in front of everybody. Can you get this picture? They're reading what the Apostle Paul said, and then in the midst of it, he calls out these two women by name. And then he tells the true, pet, true companion, probably the pastor, and all of the church, y'all, we need to help get this right. We need to figure this out. So Paul wants them to agree. It's this idea of being of the same mind. He uses this earlier in the book of Philippians. He wants them to have different gifts and different opinions, but use it in a way that, that moves in concert and brings about collaboration. We can disagree without being disagreeable. So it's like church, pastors, y'all figure this out. Help to figure this out. Point two, he says, rejoice. I entitled this Rejoice on Repeat. Um, I'm a kind of guy, if I hear a good song, uh, matter of fact, a, a good a album just came out. And so I'm listening to that song and I'm listening to that song. And I have no problem listening to a song 10 times. If it's a good song, it should be able to be repeated. My wife hates that. Here's what she tells me. Rodney, you are wearing the song out. I don't even know what that means. This is not a, you know, a, a record deal. You know, it's not a CD where the CD gets scratched and then you can't hear it anymore. This is digital. I can play it as often as I want over and over again. She says, Rodney, you're wearing the song out. I don't want to hear it anymore because you're playing it too much. It's going to lose its value. I, I don't get it. I don't think the Apostle Paul gets it because here's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul says, put rejoicing on repeat. In other words, what should be one of the markers of the Christian life is this disposition towards rejoicing, 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 praising, extolling, lifting up Jesus. He says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, remember where Apostle Paul is sitting when he's writing this in a cold and in a damp jail cell. And yet he's saying to rejoice. Now, the ultimate question is. Rodney, how'd that work? In my life, in my day, in what I got going on in my situation, how am I supposed to rejoice? He's not saying rejoice in the challenge. He's not saying rejoice in the difficulty or rejoice in the imprisonment for him 
or enjoy rejoice in the anxiety or rejoice in lack. He's not saying that or rejoice in sickness. That's not what he's saying. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. In other words, rejoice in Jesus. And how do we do that as we as we remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel? And we were made in the image of God, but because of sin, we are marred. And, and this sin has has affected all of humanity. And there is nothing we can do to save or remedy our sin problem. So Jesus comes to do for us what we can't do and dies on the cross, offering us forgiveness that if we would repent and believe and put our trust in him, that he rescues and saves us and adopts us and bring us into his family and moves us into this process of growing in faith and sanctification and will one day rescue us ultimately into eternity to be with him forever. That's good news. That's the kind of stuff you can rejoice about because if eternity is settled, how big is your problem? I'm Rodney's preaching to Rodney right now. Rodney got some stuff, truth be told, that 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 can move me into this disposition where I am not rejoicing. If I can be honest, sometimes I am moping. I am down. I am sometimes disillusioned. And this, this this word is a is, is a reminder of me. If eternity is if eternity is settled. What's your problem in light of eternity? And this is why Paul, again, throughout this book of Philippians, roots us, roots us, roots us again in this eternal perspective. He says, rejoice. And then he says, let your gentleness be known to all. What is gentleness? Well, it's graciousness. It's unselfishness, it's mercy, it's tolerance, it's patience. In other words, this should be what we are demonstrating to those who are going through challenging time alongside us. But we know our eternity is secure so we can demonstrate this gentleness towards all. And then he goes on in the text to tell us why. It's because we can remember God is near. God is at hand. And that's a good thing for us to know not only has he settled eternity for us for those that repent and believe but he's near in other words i'm not walking through the difficulty by myself he's he's present remember god is near you see, when we start thinking about those truths of rejoicing and, and, and showing gentleness to all and remembering that God is here, it also gives us insight to how the enemy will attack. So here's some ways that the enemy will attack. He will say to us, God is not here. You don't even sense his presence, do you? Say things like this is a dog eat dog world. So so you have to be selfish. That's how you get ahead. Or he'll say things like you can't wait. You may never get this chance again. You got to act now. There's no need to demonstrate patience. But if you know that God is near, if you know that God is sovereign, and if you know God's in control, then you can be patient. Why? Because what God has for you is for you. He'll say things like rejoicing always. That's for those super Christians. That's for those people who are really, really close to Jesus. I'm not. So it's okay if I don't rejoice. This word rejoice always in the Lord. And you heard the song earlier. I hope that song is replaying in your mind. That's a commandment that Paul is giving. 
He's not asking if you feel good this Sunday, rejoice. He's saying as, as, as a demonstration of obedience, rejoice in the Lord. One of the other ways that the enemy will attack you is say stuff like, um, I can't be intolerant to others or tolerant to others. I can't be patient. I can't be full of grace. I have to be selfish. Here's why. That's who I am. That's how I was raised. But Paul will also say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So what's my encouragement to you? Because Jesus is near. We can lean in in confidence and cultivate a heart of rejoicing in Jesus. Another imperative he gives is don't be anxious for anything. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been hearing that all my life. Don't be anxious for anything. And some of y'all are saying, Rodney, that's cute. It's unfortunate that we see God's holy word sometimes as phenomenal suggestions. But not something that I'm supposed to follow. Here's what Jesus says, beloved, submit your heart to this truth. Hear it again for the first time. Don't be anxious about anything. So, man, how does this do you know my anxiety levels? Like, do do you know what I got on my plate? How do you just say that so flippantly? Well, he doesn't say it without offering you something else. Truth be told, if you got a chance to get rid of your plate of anxiety, you would throw it out of the window in two seconds. He's giving you something to do. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you, do you see what he's saying? God's answer to your anxiety is not more work or more drugs or more sex or more money or more power. But in everything, prayer with supplication and thanksgiving. Rodney, there has to be more. I'm sorry that's what the text has given us. So instead of being flippant and dismissing it, let's dive deeper into it and see what it's saying. But, by, but, but in everything, prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God. So what does this look like that when, when before I feel anxiousness as I wake up in the morning? I'm going to God in prayer. I'm trusting that his process of dealing with my anxiety is right. So I'm I'm submitting myself to that process in prayer with supplication, meaning I'm letting God know what it is that's on my heart. We tell everybody else, tell God. And I'm doing this with thanksgiving. In other words, my, my, my prayers are filled with my request to God, my desire for God himself, and I'm, and I'm thanking him for what he's doing. Man, what does that look like? Here it is. That as you go to him in prayer, you're thanking him regardless of how things turn out. Man, it's, it's funny because my wife and I did this just, this, just today. We're sitting there praying about a situation. And here's what we say. Lord, if you allow this situation to go forth, we want to thank you for what you're doing. We trust that you can open up a door that, that, that no man can close. And so we thank you for your faithfulness. God, if you say no to this, we want to thank you for your no. 
you see something we don't see and that you can be trusted and I can count on you and rely on you. And I know there's no good thing that you withhold from them that walk upright so I can trust you in this process of your no. You're just as good in your no's as you are in your yeses. Or he can say, not now. So God, if you want us to be patient, if you want us to wait, we'll figure some things out. We'll, we'll think about what that looks like. But we want to thank you because you know, we know you love us. So whatever the circumstance, yes, no, later. We can rejoice when we make up in our minds that God is good because he is. Some would say, Rodney, that's that's you know that that's you and that's you and Lady Kai. That's not me. I'm in a different place. I want to encourage you wherever you are. Cultivate in your prayer life Thanksgiving, because when we do that, we start growing and maturing in our faith. It's like the Apostle Paul. God rescues him, save him. He goes on to preach the gospel. And there's really nothing you could do to stop him. If you beat him, he, he, he heals, you know, he recovers and then he starts preaching again. You throw him in jail, jailers get converted. <laughs> you, 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 you banish John on an island called Patmos and then he starts writing the book of Revelations. For Christians, we can't be stopped when we cultivate this discipline of prayer, supplications, thanksgiving, making our requests known before God. And then watch this third point, peace of God. I'm almost done. Then he says the peace of God. Ah, that's what our minds need. That's what our hearts need. That's what our relationships need. That's what we need at work. That's what we need in our parenting. That's what we need in school. That's what we need in our minds. That's what we need in our hearts and our soul. We need the Peace of God, this kind of peace we can't get anywhere else. He says in the book of Matthew, the, the, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. The world can't give us this kind of peace that we need. This is not found in any other religion. It's not found in your spirituality. It's not found in, in burning incense. It's not find, found in getting to your quiet place or it's not found in vacations or, 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 or getaways. It's not found there. It's, it's although, you know, va vacations are good, but peace ain't always found on vacations. It's possible to be in the midst of chaos and find peace. How? God gives it. And because of Jesus, you don't work for it or pay for it or bargain for it. It's something God gives us. He says in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Your heart, your feelings, your emotions. That this peace can guard your feelings. We're going to talk about that in just another minute. We'll dive deeper. And not just Guard your, your, your emotions, but guard your intellect, your psyche, how you think, how you process information. This peace that God gives that, that, that radically changes how, I, how, how I'm anxious over things or processing certain things or how I see certain things. This peace God gives is an anchor for my soul. Peace God gives is not... Wars ceasing in our world is not political peace. It's not predicated on who gets into office. It's not 
everybody getting along at your job, all those things are good. But this peace that Jesus offers is the kind of peace between him and the Father. It's, 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 it's the peace of God. P-E-A-C-E. That, that comes to reside in our hearts. Can't be manufactured. It's something that is given. And what he wants in our feelings, in our minds, is to experience the peace of God. So watch the final admonition from Paul in verse 8. So he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise, think on these things. Here's what Paul says, that with everything going on in our world, you and I get information, email, phone calls, text messages every day that has the possibility to ruin our day, don't we? We get good news that we celebrate. We get bad news that we mourn. Here's what he says. Sift through the news. Sift through the messages. Sift through the replies. Sift through what comes into our lives. Sift through what you watch. Sift through what you read. Sift through the information that comes to you from the people you know and love. And don't just meditate on the bad and the negative and the shortcomings and the failures. Don't just consume all of that all day long, whether that's on news networks or on Netflix. He says, sift through and says, what's pure here? Think on that. What's commendable? Think on that. What's, what's lovely? What's, what's just? What's righteous? Think on that. Because in us thinking about what we're thinking about, or thinking about what we think about, it changes how we process information and how we feel as a result. It doesn't mean don't engage hard things. But in what we are engaging, think about what's honorable, true, lovely, worthy of praise. And then he says this, and I love how he closes, and the God of peace be with you. He's offering us the peace of God from the God of peace. And what we need, what we need in our lives, in our world, in our relationships, in this church, on mission as we in Gauge with with the city. Um, we, there's just some exciting things that are coming up as we partner with other churches and other organizations. Again, a lot of good news that is coming up as we as we as we walk through just this this road called life. We need to be people that are focused on the peace that God offers. We need to be people that are demonstrating that one of the ways that I am ridding myself of anxiety primary way that I'm ridding myself of this anxiety is my engagement with God in prayer you know if my son came to me and or my daughters came to me and said daddy we want to we want to go to Disney World. And, and, and if my mind I knew I was taking them to Disney World on November 13th 
and they just started getting really anxious about going to Disney World, one of the things I would say to them is, relax, you're gonna go. You're gonna go. You're gonna go. I'm, 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 I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna care for you. Uh, yes, I know you want things when you go there. I'm, I'm gonna get things for you. Yes, I know you wanna stay there for the majority of the day. I'm gonna schedule it to where you stay there for the majority of the day. At some point, if they kept getting anxious and worried and, and wondering whether I would do that for them, it will become for me an insult on my character. I'm your father. And I told you I'm going to take you. Beloved, God's your father. And he promised to provide for you. He promised to care for you. He promised to walk with you. And even if you don't get anything on your checklist this week, beloved, you got him. And he's enough. He's more than the whole world that you could possess. He's more than the money you can accumulate. He's more than what zip code you live in. God himself is enough. So I want you to be encouraged in that. Please let us know if there's a way we can be praying for you. I want to encourage you to hang out. We've got an awesome um, Sunday hangout coming up. So stay tuned.